0: God, we we are here this morning with open hearts, with listening ears. Holy Spirit, incline us right now to what you're saying. You're always speaking, always moving, always doing something. I pray that we would be in tune to it this morning. God, I pray that you would give me the words that you want me to share. But Lord, even more than that, God, I pray that you would bring uh, revelation through your word and through what's said. God, I I pray that you would communicate to each and every one of us, communicate to our hearts in the way that we need to hear it this morning. Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You're the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. And we entrust our our hearts, our souls, our, our very beings, every single bit of us, we entrust those to you. Thank you for being a good shepherd. Thank you for meeting us where we're at. Thank you for caring for us and drawing us closer to your side. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, I want to, I want to wrap up the Soul Maps series. We've been doing this for uh, going on two months now. It's been about two months that we've been talking about this. And... Um, we, I, started, I started talking about soul maps. If you haven't been around, uh, we've been going to the book of Psalms. We've been going to the book of Psalms to see prayers that people have prayed to the Lord that reveal all the spectrum and range of human emotions submitted to God. And we started getting into this. We started talking about soul maps because I started this the first Sunday that we came back after COVID set us on a church quarantine trajectory there for a while. And and I I talked about this because whenever we came back, I I could sense within myself and within the people around me that there were, we almost found ourselves in uncharted territory, both in our society and even just internally, emotionally. There's a lot that goes on emotionally whenever certain things are just kind of turned upside down and there's uncertainty and all that. You, you felt it, you know. I don't have to explain all that, but I, I could just sense that a lot of us found ourselves in uncharted territory emotionally. And so I wanted us to go to the book of Psalms to be able to submit those things that maybe felt like we were in uncharted territory, submit those to the Lord, and find some kind of a map for ways that people, faithful God followers, have experienced those things and submitted them to Him. And so what's interesting is we started this series about two months ago. We've been talking about soul maps because of this unsettling nature of what was going on in our world. And as, I think, as I've thought about wrapping this series up, I think about the past two months and look where we are now, and I think not much has actually changed in our environment. Am I right? If anything, maybe it's gotten a little bit worse. We, we've gone through a lot even as a society over the past couple months. Uh, and and there's, there's still things that are unsettled. There's still things that are uncertain. And so while our environment hasn't changed much, I, I still believe that this is radically important for us as Christ followers. And that's the, the point of why I wanted to, do, wanted to talk about soul maps in the first place. Uh, I, I really want us to, to just kind of bring us back to the goal this morning. And essentially the goal is our souls being shepherded by the Lord. And so I want to read to you probably to wrap things up. This is probably the most famous psalm ever. Everybody's heard this. You've probably heard it a billion times. And so I'm about to read to you Psalm 23. And we'll read it a couple times this morning. But I want, as I read this... I know sometimes it's hard to approach something that you've heard or read a thousand times before. It's hard to hear it like it's the first time. But I just want uh, to for you to listen, read along with with fresh eyes and ears. And so whatever that looks like for you, maybe you want to close your eyes, reimagine, whatever. But I just, as we hear these words, I want us to to really let our hearts be pointed towards Jesus this morning. So if you've got your Bibles or if you've got your notes in the, the app, you can follow along from Psalm 23. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. That's that's my focus where I want us to be pointed towards this morning. Because we talk about soul maps and I've personally, I've benefited from it. I've, I've loved these past few couple months so much, just really getting to dig into emotion and what the Word and what the Psalms, what these prayers say about it. It's been really amazing for me. But as I think about what is the point of this? Why, why do this? What's the point? Because every, if we talk about the Psalms being like a map for the soul, every map has purpose, every map is to help you find something. You know, you don't just study maps for the sake of studying maps. I, I, some people do, I guess, actually. Uh, so my, I had a history professor in college. He was actually my favorite teacher. I really, really, really liked him. Still like him to this day. He was a crazy eccentric kind of guy, but he got his PhD in studying like something like 17th century English cartography. A PhD. Guy probably studied years and years just looking at maps, like studying maps. So it is within some people to study maps for the sake of studying maps. And you know, whenever you're around somebody who's passionate about something, even if it's the most dull thing in the world, it can sound very cool because we were made to be passionate. (laughs) You know, so it could be a little bit interesting from him, but mostly I would just say, no, that is dull. It's, it's no fun. There's no use. There's no point in just studying a map for the sake of studying a map. The point, the point of a map is that it gets you somewhere. I, I love looking at maps whenever I'm like planning out a vacation or I've been hoping it's like a pipe dream of mine to go camping with my young family, okay? And so looking at maps of campgrounds and things like that makes me really interested and excited because I visualize myself going to this place. And actually the map taking me somewhere and being able to use it. But, you know, just having maps for for the sake of having a map just as a thing on a wall, like that's a little bit lame, a little bit dull. But the maps are supposed to point us to something. And so we've we've talked about all these different psalms. I've called them soul maps. And we've talked about mapping and recognizing anger and grief and Uh, you know, all these different kinds of emotions, and there's more even to talk about. But really, what do these maps point to? What do they point to? And ultimately, the reason why we are all here is because we know and believe, have some kind of internal inclination that all of these things, what they point us to is Jesus Christ. They all, that's what they're pointing to. They're not pointing us to a good way to express anger. They're not pointing us just to a good way to to feel joy. What these maps are pointing us to is to Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd. And, And as we read at the beginning of this psalm that is so memorable to so many people, that if you think psalms, you're probably going to go here pretty soon. This first line, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. If we're studying these maps, the maps point us somewhere. It's not about the emotions in and of of themselves, but it's about taking them to someone who can handle them. And these maps, they all point us to, they all direct us to, they all help us to find and set our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. He calls himself that in, in John 10. And I'd encourage you to go read what Jesus says about himself as the good shepherd, about him laying his life down for the sheep and about his sheep being able to hear and know his voice and follow him. I encourage you to go read that in John 10. But in in 1 Peter 2 verse 25, something that I think is really, really interesting is that uh, Peter says to the people there, he says that we've all like sheep Uh, you know, you guys, we, we went astray. You were lost like sheep. But now you've come to Jesus, who is the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's what he calls Jesus. He says that Jesus is the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. And so if these prayers, if these things are soul maps, if we're looking at what's going on in the deepest, most internal Parts of who we are and how we function, what drives us. If we're looking at that, that deepest, most innermost part, that is the thing that Jesus worked and died and was raised again to be able to be the shepherd of that part of us and the overseer of that part of us. Jesus doesn't just want to be the shepherd and overseer of our Sunday mornings, He doesn't want to just be the shepherd and overseer of our behavior. Or just our bank accounts. He wants of our very souls to be able to look into that thing and shepherd us and guide us and, and walk us through life. Lead us beside still waters. Make us to lie down in green pastures. Prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Walk us through as we're going through the valley of the shadow of death so that we don't have to fear evil in the middle of that. That's what he worked hard to become the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. And so so that's the point of what this whole series has been about. It's not about, you know, as you get into the Psalms, these Psalms, the purpose is not not to be some enlightened person that is just totally in touch with your emotional side. That's not the point of it. The point is not to just be able to perfectly process every single emotion as they come up. The point isn't to just be the, the, like, most perfect, compassionate. You've got everything figured out that's going inside, on inside of your heart. That's not what the point of these are. These are to point us into a direction. And that direction that they're pointing us is to Jesus. Because ultimately, even as much as I could talk about processing anger till I'm blue in the face... I could talk about processing grief. I could talk about processing joy. I could talk about what all these different things we've talked about. We could go on and on and on and on about it. But the fact of the matter is that you and I, we don't have the power to process anything. We don't have the power in and of ourselves to, to deal with the emotions that come up in us in any kind of healthy way outside of the loving, saving grace of Jesus Christ. And so the best thing that we could do in any of these emotions, maybe I just should have said this, This maybe should have just been a one, one message series because it truly is the point of all of these things. It's good for us to talk about them and dive into them. But at the end of the day, the best thing we could ever do is to just turn them over to Jesus, point our hearts into the direction of Jesus, the good shepherd, the overseer of our very souls. And that's who I want us to come to. Here in Psalm 23, you know, uh, we won't even go there. Like I said, these, these maps, these soul maps, they're for the purpose of pointing us to Jesus. You know, if it's, it's good to know what the purpose of a map is. That kind of helps you to orient yourself to it, to know what's going on. If I, I've got my Disney World cup here. Anybody like Disney World? Anybody else here like Disney World fans? So Disney World is a fun place. Even before I had kids, I thought it was fun. But I think even now it's going to be even funner. But Disney World, you know, they have these nice little park maps, if you've ever been there, or any amusement park, you know. If I got a Disney World park map, it'd be really useful, right, for figuring out Disney World. But if I went to a Disney World Park map to try to figure out the terrain of Florida, I would not be in luck, am I right? It would be pretty useless to me. Now Disney World is in Florida. It technically is on the land of Florida and it's a map of something in Florida, but if I was approaching that map trying to figure out the terrain of Florida to see what Florida was like, it wouldn't help me at all really. But if I'm approaching that map looking for what's there, Trying to find Space Mountain, it's gonna help me. And it's the same, like I said, these these soul maps, these psalms that we're coming to. We can't be digging into these maps, trying to figure out how we can do it on our own. I can't. I can't come to this map and say, like, okay, well, how do I perfectly process guilt? How can I do that for myself? That's not what the map is designed to do. Maybe it's in the same ballpark. Maybe it's in the same area, but that map was designed for something else. That map was designed specifically to point you to the person who could process it. The map was designed to point us to Jesus. And if we come to a map looking for something else than what the map was designed for, we're going to be frustrated. We're going to feel like the map doesn't work. And that's what a lot of people do. Oh, well, I'm just, I'm throwing this religion thing in the trash because it's not doing what I want it to do well, it's more time for us to align our minds with what it wants to do, with what the map was made for. And the map was made to point us to Jesus, the good shepherd, the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And so no matter what it is, if it's anxiety, if it's fear, if it's joy, elation, if it's celebration, whatever it is, all those things need to to funnel back to Jesus, the shepherd, overseer of our souls. If it's not pointing us to that, we're going to be lost. We're not going to know what to do with it. And so I want to read this this psalm again and just point out a few things. uh, And then, uh, you know, I'm going to be short-winded this morning. I'm going to let us go a little early. The Lord is my shepherd, Jesus. Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, these, these maps are to point us to Jesus. As we read this, something that I noticed is that the primary actor in this Psalm is not the author. The person who, David. this is a Psalm of David. David wrote this down. He's not the one who's doing most of the action in this thing. I don't know how many of you are like this. Most of us are. We tend to, to strive as human beings. We come into conflict. We come against issues. We start to feel things internally that are difficult to deal with. And we start to try to figure out, what can I do to get out of this? What can I do to change this? What, how can I shift things around? And I don't know if you know what the relationship is between a sheep and a shepherd, but the sheep isn't the one calling the shots. And the sheep isn't the one who knows how to get themselves out of a pickle. And the sheep isn't the one who maps out all the boundaries and knows exactly where to go and how to get there. The sheep eats the grass and does whatever the heck the shepherd tells it to do. That's how the relationship works here. And so the, the David, as he writes this psalm, he's not necessarily the actor. He's not the one doing the stuff in this. He's the one who is submitting to the shepherd. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Our decision is to allow him to make us do it. Sometimes we're stubborn sheep. Do we have any stubborn sheep in the house? Don't point at your spouse, okay? Callie would be pointing at me if she were here. But sometimes we're stubborn sheep. We, we st- the, the act, the, the big power that we have is just in submitting. It's just to say, you know what? I am a sheep. He is the shepherd. I don't have the plan here. I don't have this figured out. I'm going to submit my way to the good shepherd who knows, loves, cares. I've, I'm feeling angry right now. I don't know what to do with it. I'm going to give this to the shepherd. He can lead me beside still waters because I can't find my still waters. I'm in and of myself. So there is some action on our part, yes, but it's an act of submission and allowing the details, the the heavy lifting to be done by this good shepherd. It's what Jesus describes whenever he says to come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Take, Take my yoke upon you. Do what little work I ask of you, which is to submit everything to me. Do that work, and you're going to find rest for your souls. Jesus is shepherding our souls. He's a shepherd and overseer of our souls. So the, the action here is done by the shepherd. Even things like, it says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let, let the rod and the staff of your shepherd comfort, comfort you. Even, even that thing, you know, I don't, a shepherd's staff for a sheep can be a painful thing sometimes, okay? Because I've, I've never personally done it, okay? I'm not speaking from the experience of an sh- actual shepherd. But I do know on good authority that that stick is used to smack the sheep in line sometimes. But that same thing that smacks the sheep in line is also the same thing that wards off predators and keeps the harmful things away. So, even that, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even the the pain that we could go through sometimes, even the difficulty that comes with following and submitting to this good shepherd, even that, we can know that this is a comfort. I know that even this pain, even these things that I think are, are not in my best interest, that are so difficult and hard to bear, even this time when I'm feeling like the Lord is chastising me or reproving me, he does that to the people that he loves. A father who loves his children, punishes his children. So even that is his rod, his staff, they comfort me. That brings comfort. Again, we are not the actors here. Jesus, the good shepherd, he's the actor. He's the one we're submitting to. And he's going to do these things that our, our heart's longing for. You know, your heart longs to be led by still waters. Your heart longs to lie down in green pastures. Your heart longs to have your cup overflowing. Your heart longs for that, but your heart also longs to try to accomplish those things by itself. Your heart thinks that it can make its own cup overflow. Your heart thinks that if you work hard enough, make enough money, that you can go find your green pastures. If you smack your kids around hard enough, they'll start to listen and you've found your... Your still waters. Peace and quiet in this house. We we fool ourselves into thinking that we can accomplish these things on our own. These maps tell us something different. These maps tell us that whenever anger starts to well up inside of me, I can submit that to my good shepherd and he can leave me beside still waters. That whenever grief feels like it's taking me to the lowest of lows, my heart can cry out to the good shepherd and say that I'm going to hope in him and that he can restore my soul. That's what, these, that's what these maps point us to, to the good shepherd, who is the one who not only created your emotions, but also lived your emotions, redeemed your emotions, and made them something to be glorifying to God. And so here's the last thing that I want to share is I'm, I'm thinking about just simply turning, turning ourselves over to the Good Shepherd. That's, that's my, my call this morning. And that's what the whole point of, of everything that we've done up to this point in Soul Maps has been, is to turn things over to the Good Shepherd. As I think about that, I think about my brief stint in parenting. So our oldest is just over two years old, Eden. And uh, I know you all think that she's only ever angelic and she only ever does nice, good things, but she does have a dark side sometimes, okay? So I, I have been introduced into this parenting game a little bit, but we picked up a really cool tool from our parents, Callie and I, so, something that really actually it, it works and helps with her. And I don't know if you've employed this with your children, but I think it's gonna be in our tool belt for a long time. And that's if we, we find that if, if Eden is just kind of out of control, like she's spiraling, it's going downhill, it's about to be a mess. She's, either she's not listening or she's just too emotional, whatever. If we could get on her level and if we could get her to look in, into our eyes. Have you used this with your kids? So we'll say, Eden, look at my eyes. Look at my eyes. And if you can just get them to look in your eyes, then it's like a, it's an emotional game changer. If you can get a child to look in your eyes, there's something about that eye contact, actually, that if you can just get them to look in your eyes, it paves a way for soothing. It paves a way for comfort. It paves a way for calm. It paves a way for obedience. Like, okay, we're connected here now. And so it's not just about this spiral that you're falling into. It's not just about the anger and the rage that you're feeling in your heart right now. If you can just look into my eyes, that's like the first step of, okay, I'm, I'm on with you, parent. So, so anyway, we've started to do that a lot with Eden because we've had more and more moments like that. So we're just down there, Eden, look into my eyes, look into my eyes. But she's, the thing about it is she started to realize that, okay, if I look into their eyes, things are changing. So she, this girl, will do everything she can to, I'll get right up in her face, look into my eyes, and she's up in the air, down, and she, she knows because she knows that eye contact, once it happens, then there's a game changer. Then she's on my page and then something's changing a little bit. So she'll do everything she can to avert her eyes, keep them away. And so anyway, I don't know. I'll take, I'll take advice after the service if you got any other uh, things we could try about this. But something that I've started to think is, okay, this eye contact is something that really builds trust with her, that really allows her to I mean, entrust her emotion to start submitting and obeying me. And so this is something I've I've started to say, like, okay, I don't only want to tell her to look into my eyes whenever I need to correct her on something. So I've started recently saying more and more often, hey, Eden, look into my eyes. I love you so much. Eden, look into my eyes. I'm so proud of you. Eden, look into my eyes. You are so beautiful. You're special. I'm so thankful that you're in our family. So that whenever I have these moments, well, one, because I want her to know that. But then two, so I know whenever I, I need her to, to start tracking with me that she isn't only associating this look into my eyes statement with, I'm in trouble now. Like, oh, it's all falling apart here. I want her to, to find the love that she needs, the correction that she needs, the, the redirection that she needs, all of that in this act of, okay, look into my eyes. So anyway, that's, that's where I'm at on the journey. I can't say that it's worked perfectly yet. Uh, and the jury's still out. She's only two. We'll see how it goes for, from here on out. But, but I do believe that there's something there. But here's really what I believe is I believe that the same thing is true for Jesus, our shepherd. And this is essentially what we're trying to do with all these psalms, all these different emotions is to simply say or to hear Jesus say, look into my eyes. So if it's, if it's anger that we're feeling, we don't know what to do with it, and we don't know who we need to unleash it on and pour it out onto somebody, hear the voice of Jesus say, child, look into my eyes. And let that look, let that eye contact with Jesus, the overseer and the shepherd of your soul, let that be the beginning of being able to submit that to him. Or whenever you're deep in the darkest, nastiest grief that you've ever experienced or guilt and shame that you don't want anybody to know about, or even if you're on this high, high mountain of joy and you're maybe tempted to feel like you're the one that accomplished it for yourself. In every single bit of emotion, whatever it is, look into my eyes. Whatever it is, Jesus just calmly, collectedly kneeling down, getting on your level and saying, look into my eyes. That's what what I want for us as a church. What I want for us as believers is to be a church that is quick to look into Jesus' eyes. Whatever we're going through, whatever's happening out in the world, whatever pandemics are going on, whatever riots are happening, whatever but things are going on on Facebook, whatever's going on, I want us to be the first people to say, okay, I got to look into Jesus' eyes right now. I'm feeling some kind of way. I'm feeling it right now. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like loving my neighbor right now. I don't feel like being happy. I don't feel like being gracious. I'm going to look in Jesus' eyes. Because that even, just like it's a game changer with Eden, whenever I know like, okay, if I can get her looking into my eyes, it may not, may not be perfectly smooth sailing from there, but at least we've turned a corner and we're going in the right direction now. And once we've looked into each other's eyes, okay, the, the power is now in the parents' hands. We're going to do what the parents are going to be saying. Even if things just don't get perfectly smooth, whenever we make that decision, whenever we consciously tell our hearts, tell our souls, okay, we're looking to Jesus now. I'm going to look into his eyes. Then it may, we may not experience the, the perfect still, peaceness all just in that moment, but we're moving in that direction. We're submitting our emotions. We're submitting our lives to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. And so that's what I want out of this whole series. If if nothing else, and that's what I want out of today, is that you and I, whatever we're going through, whatever challenges we face, because we're going to face them, they're still going to be there whenever we leave here this morning. Whatever those things are, that we would stop and that we would choose to look into the eyes of our Good Shepherd. And just in that act of doing it, there's a transference of power. Just in the act of like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look to Jesus here. There's a transference of power because then it's not my way anymore. We know that we're moving in his direction. Even if it's hard, even if our heart's like, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna turn this over to him. No, that's the direction that we're going. And man, you and I, if all of us, if, if we are a church, That is truly shepherded by the Good Shepherd, if we're walking around town being led beside still waters, we're walking around town knowing that if we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death we're not gonna fear any evil because he's with us, that creates a, a way of carrying ourselves, that creates a presence that that people can't help but notice because we live in an anxious world, we live in a fearful world, we live in a hateful world. We live in an unrepentant, unforgiving, cold-hearted kind of place, unfortunately. But the fortunate part is that you and I have a shepherd for our souls. You and I can be sheep who are led in a good direction, in a peaceful direction, in a forgiving, in a loving, compassionate, open-hearted direction by the shepherd of our souls. And that in and of itself becomes a radical declaration of Jesus Christ and his Lordship. That kind of life in and of itself says that there is someone bigger. There is someone who cares. There is a loving God who is a shepherd for our souls. Because how could this soul be this peaceful, this at rest, this secure, if there wasn't one. So that's what I want for our church. And so I believe that that begins with the act of looking to his eyes. So that's my encouragement this morning. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of us. Lord Jesus, we choose this morning to look into your eyes. You are the good shepherd. You're a good father. And Lord, we know that you made a way to put your very spirit on the inside of us. A spirit that cries back out to you, Abba, Father, Daddy. And so Lord, we beatbox this morning. (laughs) But we do, we do thank you that you've given us a spirit that cries out, Abba, Father, back to you. And Lord, you as our Father, we know that you've got the right way. We know that you're right, we're wrong. We wanna submit to you in whatever we're feeling and whatever we're going through, God, we, we don't wanna overlook those things. We don't wanna pretend like they don't exist, but God, we don't wanna submit to them and we don't want to submit to our own way of dealing with them and handling them. God, whatever we come to, we set our eyes on you. We look to you. Lord Jesus, as we, as we seek to set our hearts and, and minds to look into your eyes, God, I pray that you would start us on that journey, that you would lead us beside still waters, that you'd lead us through the valley of the shadow of death, that you'd take us through that you'd be with us, that your rod and your staff, Lord, that they would bring us comfort. Our heart's desire is to be shepherded by you. So God, help us to do that. Whatever it is, the highest of highs, lowest of lows, whatever we find ourselves in, God, I pray that you would give us the grace to turn our eyes to you, to look you in the eyes, and to relinquish control, to submit to you every single thing that we have, and the way that we're going entrusting to you the shepherd and overseer of our souls every single thing that we have. So thank you for it. God, I thank you that this church is blessed. Thank you that the families that are in this church are wonderful sheep shepherded by the good shepherd. I thank you, God, that every single couple, every child, every person that leaves here, God, is going to be a radical declaration of you and how good you are, how powerful you are, because they're going to to go from here as people who are shepherded by you, shepherded by the good shepherd. We thank you for it. We praise you for it, God. I thank you that you're making us a light in a dark place, that you would be glorified because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you all. I ask that you'd stand up. I want to just speak over you as we go from, uh, from this place throughout this week. I pray that the Lord, as the good shepherd, that he would direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.